Hey Bankless Nation, welcome to another State of the Nation episode where we talk about something hot that is going on in crypto. Today's episode, what could be hotter than this? The apes bought the punks, David. Okay, Yuga Labs, biggest NFT acquisition in history. One, one, for the, one for the history books in, in all of crypto, I think, made a massive purchase of CryptoPunk IP from Larva Labs and also um, purchased some punks and other assets along with that, I believe. We're going to be talking about that today. David, what's the topic and who do we have in our conversation on today's State of the Nation? Yeah, this has really caught the NFT ecosystem by storm. People always uh, speculated that at one point in time, some NFT brands will start buying the IP of other NFT brands. But I don't think anyone expected that the second largest, the biggest uh, brand that has come out in the NFT mania, the Bored Apes, would buy the most original, most OG IP out of the CryptoPunks from Larva Labs. So like, It's like saw- Ethereum buying Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> That is Sorry, a maybe that's there. a bias. Take. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's been a lot of um, just questions about what does this mean? What does it mean for people to own NFTs, but have that be separate and distinct from the IP of those NFTs? What is Larva Labs going to do with the CryptoPunk IP? Do the CryptoPunks like this? Uh, is this bullish for CryptoPunks? And if the are the CryptoPunk owners allowed to not like it, yet it still be bullish? Uh, so we're going to unpack all of these things on today's State of the Nation. To talk about these things, we have Zeneca33, who you guys probably are familiar with. He's a frequent contributor to the Overpriced JPEGs podcast with Dry, uh, Carly Riley. Overall, NFT connoisseur, uh, owns more apes than he does punks, but owns both. So... There's that. Also coming in, uh, you guys know Andy8052. He's uh, the, the founder, co-founder of Fractional, which fractionalizes NFTs. Uh, he's got a punk. He is perhaps on Team Punk. Uh, and of course, last but not least, we got Scott Lewis, co-founder of DeFi Pulse, Slingshot, and Hype. Hype is an NFT uh, lore platform if you like to talk about your NFTs and give them stories. Also a CryptoPunk diamond hander, perhaps also on Team Punk. So these are our three guests. They're going to give us their perspectives as what this means for CryptoPunks, what this means for Yuga Labs, and what this means for the NFT ecosystem overall. It's that last piece that I think is the most interesting case study overall. What does this mean for NFTs, right? This is a a fantastic case study and we get to see this play out in real time. David, I got to ask you the question I ask before we begin all of these state of the nations, which is what is the state of the nation today? Brian, the state of the nation is branding. And I actually think that this is the crux of the issue because Mm. Bored Apes are a brand. CryptoPunks are a brand. And that's really what IP is. And so when we are discussing what this means for NFTs, what this means for the apes and the punks, we're really discussing the value of these new metaverse brands, these new digitally native brands that exist exclusively on the internet. Rather than rather than transcending or starting physically and then moving on to the internet, these are starting on the internet. And these are really the fundamental questions of brands in of themselves. So Ryan, we are uh, the state of the nation is branding. We are branding the future right now. That's super good. I know a term you've used in the past too is this, this term called headless brands. So mm-hmm. we're exploring a new type of brand, right? This is like a new age digital clout how to acquire it. And I think the story of of, um, what happens with the apes and the punks will become super relevant into the future as the metaverse builds out, as crypto builds out, as we figure out what the hell we do with these digital property rights. Guys, we're going to talk about what all this means in just a minute with our fantastic panelists. So on March 11th, Bored Apes Yacht Club creators, Yuga Labs, they just announced their acquisition of CryptoPunks and also MeBits, which is a sub CryptoPunks uh, type of brand. 
collections from Larva Lab. So that happened on March 11th. To give you guys some context, CryptoPunks and Bored Apes are like the number one and number two NFT projects. And it's not even close. You know, everyone else kind of trails off. So Punks, their market cap is around $1.6 billion for all of these punk JPEGs, okay? Massive amount. Apes, if you include the Apes ecosystem at large, is just under that $1.4 billion, okay? So we're talking $3 billion worth of digital property rights. This is massive. This is close to 20% of the entire NFT market. These are our two brands that have really entered mainstream consciousness. You see a lot of celebrities sporting N uh, NFTs that are either bored apes or uh, or CryptoPunks in some cases. So we wanna talk about what this means because for uh, Yuga Labs, for, for Bored Apes Yacht Club holders, um, Yuga Labs immediately revealed their plans to grant all holders of CryptoPunks basically the same commercial rights that were available to the apes, which the punks didn't have before. We're gonna get into that. Um, Yuga Labs has also said, and we'll see if the community believes this, that this acquisition is gonna be really good for punks and also really good for apes. So let's talk about what this means. Is this good for apes? Is this good for punks? Is this good for NFTs? What does this mean for crypto? We're gonna go over all of the implications. I wanna introduce you to our guest. The first is uh, Zeneca, who's an NFT connoisseur, community leader. You've, you've heard uh, him on Overpriced JPEGs podcast with Carly Riley. Zeneca, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Uh, I've heard Zeneca, you are maybe team ape a little bit skewed, but you also hold uh, punks too. So maybe it's not accurate to call you team ape. <laughs> yeah, I, I bought my punk like two months ago. So I'm a very recent addition to the punks, but I have both. Yeah. Awesome. All right. And then we have Andy8052. He is the founder of Fractional, Fractional NFT platform. He's also been on Bankless before. More team punk, I think. Andy, how are you doing? Hey, yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Uh, definitely. As far as my bags go, skew team punk, but I am an <laughs> ape fan as well. Punk. Awesome. We also have uh, Scott Lewis, who's the co-founder of DeFi Pulse, also Slingshot. He is a crypto punk diamond hander. Uh, team punk, I think, Scott, do you have any apes? I do not have any apes. I really like the project, but do not own any all right well these are our panelists today we're going to dig into this topic um first guys let, let's talk about this 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 first issue here which is like commercial rights to owners versus unwanted brand managers this is kind of a contrast a point that we're going to talk about a little bit but uh as we do i think it's important to to ask the question what were punks actually missing before like, what did the punk community want? Were there some licenses that they didn't have, some abilities they didn't have that they really wanted? Uh, Zeneca, why don't we start with uh, you for that question? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, it's tricky to answer because the punks or the punk community, it's its a large community. It's like thousands of people and different individuals have different wants and desires. I think certainly there was some subsection that did want uh, greater commercial rights because maybe they wanted to, you know, turn their punk into a brand and under the under lava labs they they couldn't lava labs you know had restrictions on what you could do with your punk uh but on the other side i think there's probably a considerable amount of the uh, community who are pretty kind of happy with how things were with like this hands-off approach it's like there's crypto punks there are you know we're not trying to commercialize it lava labs is not trying to do anything crazy um yeah i mean i, I again i think uh if things had continued as like Lava Labs were hands off and doing nothing, 
people were probably fine. But over the last year, we saw Lava Labs like make some questionable decisions and that maybe ticked off a few punks holders as well. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say, honestly. Andy, what would you add to that? Yeah, and no, I think that covered it really well, to be honest. I think a lot of what CryptoPunks owners really wanted more than anything was just for Larva Labs to like, at the point where they were clearly weren't building massive things for it, just to like kind of never talk about them again. Um, and I think the real issue people took was, okay, we don't have rights, but you're also doing weird things and making like takedown requests against punk derivatives and that kind of stuff was really the crux of what some people took issue with. So Scott, what would you add to this? What kind of rights did uh, the punk holders actually want? Yeah, I think there were like two or maybe two and a half like kind of like solutions that people were hoping to see. I mean, the, the first was that I, I think a significant portion of security uh, just wanted punks to go CCO um, and, and sort of let, uh, like let it, everyone use any punk imagery however they wanted. Um, and then I think there was kind of like one and a half options that were different types of ownership. Uh, one was just sort of like, which I, I was actually in favor was the Yuga Labs style full commercial rights. Um, and then I think there was like a little sort of community that would have really preferred kind of the rights go to a DAO that punk holders would then govern. Um, and sort of like full community rights, but more like collective ownership rather than individual ownership. Um, and yeah, I guess like in sort of like in a, maybe is that irony? Uh, when Yuga Labs bought it, we ended up getting Yuga Labs style, like full commercial rights, which, yeah. So there's something I definitely want to, to drive home about the nature of punks. That is, I think is a really integral point of this story. CryptoPunks being the very first profile picture NFT project before so many people even wore their punks as their profile picture. It was the, the first OG project that came around and, and b before really NFTs had the monetary value that they have now. And so the, it has this branding, it has this culture, it has this style that's very unique and very crypto native. Um, they're, they're pixels, they're called punks. That's a reference in my, in my mind is a reference to the cypherpunks uh, and it's it's very decentralized, which is very true to the nature of, of cryptocurrency, where the Larva Labs never took a leadership position. It never considered the CryptoPunks as their project, but as something that they just birthed and gave to the world. Uh, and so that was kind of the ethos that I think really attracted a lot of uh, you know early OG crypto people and kind of why CryptoPunks are associated with you know, like the kind of the Ethereum OGs. Um, Yet, that wasn't totally pure because, as you guys have alluded to, Larva Labs were doing things that, while, while they did kind of have this hands-off approach, they didn't also completely unrestrict uh, the brand of CryptoPunks to be let loose. Uh, and, and so this, I think this is really the crux of the issue where when Yuga Labs purchased the CryptoPunks IP, some people are on the side of... Um, this is great. Now we have somebody actually uh, allowing CryptoPunks to have the full commercial rights. And then there are other people who are like, well, CryptoPunks were, ha have never been about having a brand manager. Uh, we don't want any leadership position on our decentralized vibe. Uh, and so I'm, I'm wondering, question to you guys, which side of the, of the, of the, of the aisle do you fall on? Do, like, do, you, do you think that this is a bigger offense to have a brand manager to taint the CryptoPunk brand? Or are you more interested in seeing what a centralized team can actually finally do with the CryptoPunk brand? Uh, Zeneca, I'll throw this to you. I think 
to what Scott was saying before about how there's a camp wanting the CryptoPunks to go CCO, I, I would have, I think, liked to have seen that just because, as you mentioned, sort of this was born out of like the OGs, the early, the cypherpunk movement. And I think the community was really into like the decentralization aspect of it. And even with Lava Labs, uh, they were largely hands-off until this year, as far as I'm aware. And then Yuga comes in and is sort of, taking the board Ape Yacht Club model and just applying that directly to CryptoPunks. And we haven't seen, you know, what other plans they might have. I think that they alluded that they're planning to be relatively hands-off and, and this is the first just big thing they're doing, giving full commercial rights. I mean, I, I think there's definitely a, a time and a place for centralized entities to take ownership of a brand and steer it in a certain direction. Yuga has done that excellently with the board Apes, but I think to me, it's, probably not the right approach for the CryptoPunks. I think I would, I'm a huge fan of CCO and I think that they would thrive more under that model than uh, just going, you know, hey, it's, it's similar to the apes. We're, we're going to take it, we're now considering it our brand, I guess. And, and we're going to see what we do with that. Andy, similar question to you. Which side of the aisle do you fall on? Are you bearish because uh, we have an unwanted wanted brand manager or are you bullish because now punk owners are going to have commercial rights? I've actually had a pretty big change of heart here from when it first happened to now, uh, after just having more time to reflect on it and talk to people and think about it myself. But I think I kind of at the start, I thought it was not great. I didn't really love it. I think that definitely some, somewhat hurts the narrative of punks um, as it kind of, I think there's like now kind of this chink in the armor to just the idea of being like the OG project that did stuff because the IP has changed hands, at least just like in my mental thinking about it. And so to me, I was like, oh, that's not great. I don't like it. Um, but then kind of, as I've thought about it more, I think the fact that punks were even, the IP was even for sale in the first place, just makes me think that things probably wouldn't have been run better by Larva Labs long-term. And in my opinion, Yuga Labs are like the premier NFT company and studio and if like punks had to go anywhere else i would want it to be yuga labs and so kind of just like from the mindset that i think larva labs selling them to someone else and then that other group making them ccr or whatever is probably worse because it still creates the same like potential negative uh things around just larva labs not wanting the ip anymore and all that um without having this really really great smart group of people who are well funded and are going to do cool things building and doing stuff with it. So at this point, I think like kind of of all of the realistic scenarios that could have happened, uh, Yuga Labs buying punks is like pretty one of the best. So Andy, are you kind of like just like, oh, better than Disney buying it something like this? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't like based on my understanding, I don't think that there was a world where Larva Labs was just like, hey, you know what? We don't want however many hundreds of millions of dollars we could get for this IP. We'll just make it CC zero. And so like kind of just accepting that that wasn't a possibility. I think this is basically the second best possibility and overall way better than anything else that could have happened. I think that's a, a nuance that a lot of people have woken up to uh, as a result of this, where, you know, people think like, oh, you buy your NFT and cool, you own the NFT. No, very, a lot fewer people are, are realize that there is IP associated with the entire set of those NFTs and that IP is owned by someone. Even if you own the NFT, the IP is owned by someone else. And personally, I woke up to this fact as a result of this news and now are reconsidering. And so Andy, kind of what you're saying is exactly what, what Ryan said is that at some point in time, 
that IP is an asset that will be owned by someone somewhere. And so if Larva Labs goes under, goes out of business, it, it gets auctioned off, it could have been bought by somebody that we don't like. Um, uh, I'm reminded of the uh, the Martin Skelly guy that bought the uh, Wu Tang album, uh, and everyone <laughs> hates him, right? Like that could have like some we could have had some internet villain purchase the CryptoPunk IP. So who who's yeah. the worst purchaser you can think of? The, the <laughs> guy that bought the Constitution. How about that guy? <laughs> uh, and yeah. so and so Andy, what you're saying is like, well, uh, Yuga Labs has been shown to be an excellent steward of a, an alternative NFT IP in Board Apes, and so you know perhaps this is actually best case scenario. Is that, is that kind of more or less what you're saying? Yeah, I think like, I still have some relative concern around centralization of all the massive IP under one company and all that. It's not ideal, but kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt in a lot of ways. There aren't very many companies or organizations I think I would be more happy to see on Punk's IP. I, one thing I, I, I you want to um, talk about really quick is this uh, the CCO that you guys have mentioned more than a few times. So CCO stands for Creative Commons License, I believe. I'm wondering, Zeneca, if you could just um, school us a little bit on the CCO license. So, like, you don't have to get into all the details, but um, with a CCO license for my punk, does that does that mean if I were a punk holder? I could um, like make money on it. Could I like license it uh, to a uh, movie house or an animation studio or a video game company? Uh, does does it unlock me to do those sorts of things? So how does CCO unlock individual NFT holders? So I'm not a, a full expert on CCO, but my understanding is that yeah, as we see on this uh, this chart here. CC's or CC0 means that the content is in the public domain. There's basically, there's no license. There's no rights reserved. Uh, anyone can basically do whatever they want with the, the IP. So in the form of say, uh, Bored Apes, Lava Labs, uh, not Lava, <laughs> Yuga Labs owns the IP and they give a license to all ape holders. That license allows ape holders to have full commercial rights to do whatever they want to monetize their ape but it's still a license given by Yuga. Yuga can at any point withdraw that license. They can restrict that license. They can, uh, Disney can come along and buy Yuga and change that license. So you're still sort of beholden to the parent company, the centralized entity. With CCO, there, there's, no, there's no license. It's just that this content is now in the public domain. Anyone is free to do whatever they want with it. Uh, so generally the way copyright works is that uh, creative work will go into the public domain, become CCO, I think like 75 years after it's created or after the creator has died or maybe both or something like that. Um, so that's why if you go back, you look back at things like um, the works of Shakespeare, um, Sherlock Holmes, you know, things like that. They're all in the public domain. Anyone can come along and create a piece of a work using that IP and no one can sue them for it. This newly created IP, that can be, licensed differently so if someone creates a like uh the sherlock movies you know that those new movies are not in public domain that's a new form of ip but it's the original you know the very fundamental part that anyone can use and so when it comes to nfts uh we have some collections that are, have full commercial rights so apes now punks and mebits um and then other collections where they're cco so cryptodes uh, mfs nouns and basically what that means is that, again, anyone can do whatever they want with it. And so the owner of, say, I have Cryptoed, 
of cryptos. I, uh, if someone wants to monetize it, they don't need my permission. And I, if, if they monetize it, I can't go after them and say, you know, I want some money back. And neither can, uh, you know, the, the team or the founders of any of these projects. It just, okay. it just spawns creativity because no one is held back, basically. Yeah, so just to unpack that a little bit more, we were talking about this before the show just to really unpack this and get into the details. And they're actually kind of interesting because there's, there's relation to crypt, the ethos of crypto in of itself. Board apes and CryptoPunk owners... This actually isn't yet true for CryptoPunk owners. Um, uh, Yuga Labs has not yet given this, this these new license. They just have stated their intention to. Um, no one really doubts them, just to, just to clarify. Uh, but Bored Apes and CryptoPunk owners, Mutant Apes, and everyone out of Yuga Labs, uh, as in like I'm, me and my CryptoPunk and Scott's CryptoPunk and Anna, Andy, Andy's CryptoPunk, those are our CryptoPunks, and we hold the commercial rights to our CryptoPunks, as in no one can go make a movie using my CryptoPunk as a main character without my express commission, uh, permission. And that's different from Creative Commons Open, which are the MFers, uh, the Crypto Toads, which are public domains, as in... Anyone can use my MFR to do anything that they want and they can adapt and change and do anything. And it's very much the most like decentralized uh, complexity at the edges version of Creative Commons. And the kind of the bull case for uh, NFTs that have Creative Commons opens is that the, the, uh, there are zero restrictions on re replication and reproducibility. And that is a little bit like kind of like how we are trying to reduce the complexity of having as many nodes as possible with blockchains. Like how easy is it to re re reproduce this? And we all know the importance of memes and virality in crypto. And so that is that CCO. And so, but that's not CryptoPunks or Bored Apes. What uh, Bored Apes are in CryptoPunks is that I have the power over the NFT that I own. And so it's, a it's definitely a different ethos baked into uh, these different Creative Commons Opens and what it really means for, for NFTs. It's so funny because I see the the value in both, mm -hmm. right? It's like yeah. I see both, 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 like the, the original Larva Labs, that just flat out sucked. But but CCO versus you know full full commercial license, mm. I could see advantages to both. W what's your take, guys? Like I'm asking the panel, which is better? What do you think? And uh, Andy, maybe do you have any thoughts on this? I think like you were saying, both really have their merits. I, you know, um, Punk forty one fifty six, who's a, a huge proponent of CCO. Uh, one of the things that he talks about a lot is kind of the power of like memetics, and when you're not being you know, when you could basically make, anyone can make a derivative of anything in the project. Um, it generally is probably good for the original thing that they're making a bunch of memes about or t-shirts or whatever. It's like free branding for your NFT. So, you know, if I have some NFT that I bought for 50 ETH, if I bought a noun and then Supreme decides to put it on a t-shirt, I think it's like pretty good advertising for my noun that I own. Um, and so you can make the case that like, while I'm not explicitly making money from that, their freedom to do whatever they want without having to ask me is still valuable. Uh, but I think there's also kind of the other side of, um, you know, what if someone just makes an exact copy and people decide that this exact copy is the only one that's valuable and you don't really have a way to stop them. Um, I, I don't really know. I like, I like CCO a lot. Uh, I do think that there's, especially with significantly larger brands that already kind of have the recognition that they are important, like a punk or an ape. Uh, CCO isn't necessarily as important for like spreading the word about what your thing is or seeing it kind of distributed everywhere online. Uh, but I, I definitely don't have like a super strongly held opinion that one is better than the other. Scott, do you have any thoughts on this? 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so like every, everything Andy said was correct, of course. Uh, and it's like that for all commercial rights, it is a trade off that other can't people can't like freely do small things with the NFTs. Uh, but I think it's like sort of the difference. Like, yeah, if, if Supreme is going to put your NFT or your NFT collection on a shirt, you want to do it. And that's great. And, and I think we sort of saw that with Noun's style and sort of that Budweiser ad, like they kind of gave him the noun and then they put it in the ad and you saw the glasses for like a second or two in the ad. And that was great. But I think like the, like doing the really big things with the NFTs, like if you had full commercial rights um, and kind of maybe in perpetuity, which maybe is where we're going eventually, hopefully, um, you could actually build a clothing brand around the NFT and that be the brand. And so it's like, um, it, it's like if I were to use your NFT somewhere and get exposure, it's great CCO. And I, I think since CCO also uh, more closely aligns with sort of the ideology, ideology and ethos of the decentralization movement, it's pretty good for bootstrapping a project. Um, but I, I think like the really chunky upside is when members of the community integrate the image of their NFTs in like real sustainable, scalable things they're doing, whether it's businesses or different types of projects. And, and kind of like, it's harder to do that with CCO because if I make like a whole, like if, if I make a different brand from a CCO NFT, um, someone else can just kind of like use all that value I'm creating and when they put it on their own products too. And so I think it's like a difference between like depth for full commercial rights versus breadth of exposure for CCO. So this guys, is, I, Ryan, yeah, you want to say something before we close? I, I was just going to say, it's super fascinating that like Bored Apes is taking the strategy because it does seem to be the case that like Bored Apes is going after the chunkier uh, upside as, as you're saying, it's like just going through their slide deck earlier and the celebrities that own apes right now just blew my mind. Like I'd, I'd remembered when some of these purchases were made, but like, like Bieber owns an ape and like, it's like uh, this whole list of celebrities. So if they can get the celebrities to start incorporating their own individual board apes into their brand, right. With a full commercial license, that's just like exactly what they're going for. So yeah. I totally see that it, that, that it meets the strategy. Anyone have anything else to add on that before we, uh, move, move to the next thing? Uh I'll just add one one thought on CCO versus full commercial rights. And I think that, I mean, yeah, I agree with everything that's been said. It depends a lot on the brand and sort of like the, the vision that the creators and founders have. Like some projects just make total sense to not be CCO. Like I'm, I always use Cool Cats as the example. They're a really cute, family-friendly type project. And so not only is uh, like when you go CCO, it means anyone can create anything. And that also means that they can create something that might taint the brand. Like someone could create, you know, these adult themes, you know, cool cats killing each other and murder. And, and like, you can't go after them. You can't say anything. It's like now, and if it gains popularity, now that's the brand and it's out of your control. It's just like, it's taken on a life of its own. And I think if you have a team that has like a really a direction they want to take it in, and maybe they have a creative director and, and build out a brand, it really is important not to go CCO, at least to begin with. And I think, uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's a really good point. We've seen some really, really interesting stuff start to come up around lore and storytelling with individual NFTs from collections. 
Uh, and there definitely is value there for them not having that be full CCO and really be letting the community, whether it's like Jenkins the valet or like the Bobu from mm -hmm. Azuki or something, where that community who owns it really has the full say into what is this brand building, what is the story we're telling, all that kind of stuff. We want to turn this conversation to the grander story of Yuga Labs, but starting with the ApeCoin. ApeCoin and ApeDAO was launched last week, and the, the tweets read, Introducing ApeCoin, dollar sign Ape, a token for culture, gaming, and commerce used to empower a decentralized community building at the forefront of Web3. ApeCoin is owned and operated by the ApeCoin DAO, a decentralized organization where each token holder gets to vote on governance and use in the ecosystem fund. Holding ApeCoin is the only requirement for membership in the ApeCoin DAO. Guys, uh, no question, just preliminary thoughts. Uh, ApeCoin, like crazy or expected or, or what's up? Zeneca, let's start with you. I mean, it was expected in the term, in the sense that they said it was dropping Q1. So we knew it was coming most likely. Uh, in terms of the extent of it, it's it's crazy. It's <laughs> uh, I don't quite know what to think. I think we all, there were all sorts of wild theories. Like people were speculating and speculating, like what's it going to be? Is it going to be one massive thing? Is it going to be like a staking thing? Is it going to be a DAO? I think it's really smart that the way they dropped it in the form of an airdrop to ape holders, mutant holders, um, plus like plans for this ecosystem fund as they call it that will be governed by the DAO and then you know they, they want to build out all these different things you know in the web3 space uh, in terms of like culture and, and gaming and stuff uh it's sort of like a DAO but they, they've got this board of like this fully stacked board of people who are just like consumer professionals and, and can maybe help steer the initial direction of things uh, and, and they launched with like a bunch of proposals for how we want to set up staking. And, you know, they mentioned a marketplace and all sorts of cool things. I don't know. I, I think it's, it's very exciting. It's, it's an experiment to say the least, but it's, it's exciting to follow. Yeah. Andy, Andy, what would you say is, does this allude to with Yuga Labs plans for the apes and the apes ecosystem uh, and any other general thoughts that you might have on ApeCoin and ApeDAO? Yeah. I think one of the things that is a bit weird, I don't know how to think about it is like kind of this separation that now happens between what is a board ape in like the Yuga ecosystem and what is ApeCoin in the ecosystem because they're not completely coupled with each other. Apes were able to like get ApeCoins and seemingly in the future will be able to stake and earn more, um, but they don't like have governance power in whatever ApeDAO, at least right now they don't. I'd like to see a proposal to make that happen. I think that'd be interesting. Um, but I mean, I think it's really cool. I, it's definitely kind of at the forefront of how do you take an NFT community and turn it into a real DAO that's doing things and, and building. Uh, I'm just like personally really curious to see how they continue to build out the relationship between ApeCoin holders and Ape holders who may not necessarily have the same incentives or alignments um, if they don't like both own Apes and ApeCoin. Scott, there's a. Uh, I want to get your take on the distribution of this. We have 62% of ApeCoin went to an ecosystem fund. That sounds like a community treasury. 16% uh, went to Yuga Labs. 14% went to launch contributors. I'm, I'm guessing that's just like agencies and third parties that help them launch the thing. And then 8% went to Board Ape Yop Club founders. How are we feeling about this distribution? Any any opinions on that? I mean, I, I think it's all right. I don't understand. I don't think we know what ApeCoin is yet. 
and maybe there's new cards that are waiting waiting to be turned over um and they know what ape coin is going to be or they're going to realize that ape coin has to be a bit more than it is right now um and i think the distribution is fine all right um because i mean like the ecosystem the community pools like you can sort of just like forget about that and then take the percentages and the other things uh I think the launch contributors also included adventure mm. of funders of Yuka Labs. Um, so it's a lot of VCs in the distribution, um, and you know they have they have responsibilities to their LPs to return capital in the form of dollars, probably, um, so that they won't be ApeCoin holders forever. I mean, probably some of them will be, but not all. Um, so I I don't know. I, I feel like I'm like not looking at a full plan right now. And I'm not sure if they realize that or not. Well, I, I think that's all maybe. generally run-of-the-mill run VC distribution type stuff. So maybe perhaps the distribution isn't totally an anomaly. But what is an anomaly is the market cap of this thing. Is As of today, it's at $11.5 billion, uh, which is uh, a high number, uh, I would say, for an airdrop. Uh, it's actually kind of made the whole... If you've minted a board ape and then held it and done all the uh, gotten all the other airdrops with with that have been involved it's been one of the most successful investments of all time and so i'm here personally sitting watching these uh i don't have an ape so therefore i don't have any ape tokens and i'm sitting uh at watching this 11.5 billion dollar valuation and i'm kind of wondering if i am i just like i was sidelined for the entire uh, ape run from 0.08 east to where it is now to 100 ETH, and i'm like wow am i seriously about to be on the sidelines once again uh and so question to you guys is like is it is this 10 11.5 billion dollar valuation ridiculous or do you think there's a uh, perhaps something under the hood here that um uh, skeptics might be missing uh zeneca can i start with you i feel like it's kind of both it seems very ridiculous on the one hand like it just launched we don't know what it does and it's got a higher market cap than like, I don't know, Ave or just some ridiculous things. And then on the other hand, it's uh, if they can execute and build what they're like, it's sort of like, it's this huge community thing that's like widespread and sprawling. And like, we, we, we all know the power of memes, like Doge and Shiba. A lot of people like compare, you know, they said, well, Doge had a market cap of 50 billion. Now it's like 20 billion. Of course, Ape can be higher, but at the same token, it's kind of ridiculous that Doge has those market caps. So you, you shouldn't necessarily be trying to compare and compete with that. But it does prove the power of like this network effect and this community effect when you know Doge rose to prominence because people were having fun with it. Everyone was on social media and tweeting about it. And Elon comes and tweets about it. And now with Ape, it's it has some element of that where the NFT community at large are like very prevalent. And, and talking about ApeCoin, it's spilling over into the regular part of crypto. It's spilling over into celebrity life. Like imagine if Bieber starts tweeting about ApeCoin, if Eminem, well, Eminem's not going to tweet about ApeCoin. <laughs> you know, Jimmy Fallon mentions it on his show and stuff like that. All of a sudden, you now have this meme power, which has, you know, it's meme power plus. Like they're potentially going to be building this whole ecosystem and have gaming and maybe bring revenue streams in. If you can start spending ApeCoin in games and other things, um, I don't know. I think it's it's it is ridiculous, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if it goes up long term. Yeah. Andy, do you think we are stepping into the world where every single NFT project mints their own currency? Like we just kick that we just kick that that off with the start of ApeCoin. Yes, I think basically none of them will do nearly as well, or not none of them, but most of them will not. I think. My understanding of 
most of the speculation around Ape and everything right now is generally around the potential metaverse stuff that they are building. There's a very large rumored land sale that was in the um, in the docks and everything. And so I think when you compare ApeCoin to say um, like Sandbox or Gala or some of these other uh, like metaverse gaming projects, uh, the fully diluted valuations are like actually not that dissimilar. Uh, and so like, then the question is, can Ape and whatever you guys building for the metaverse be better than those games and have a stronger moat? And I think the answer is like, maybe. Uh, and so that's like kind of where I think a lot of the value is kind of speculatively coming in is that this is going to be the thing that powers this massive metaverse with the most popular NFTs in it with like probably the best moat because of that. Um, whereas, you know, some other random NFT project doesn't really have those same type of engines as to why their ERC-20 token would be important or valuable. Um, and like up until now, most projects that did have tokens, it was just like farm the tokens to be able to mint more like babies of the collection or something. <laughs> and like without really much else going on. Um, and so I think that there is a couple things about Yuga and Board Apes and what they're building in particular that has like positioned them well uh, in the sense, at least based on like what people are speculating, that not a lot of other projects could duplicate very easily. So and Andy, I, I have maybe a, a, a follow-up question to that. It's like, which is sort of the, the skeptics hat is like, what if they're just minting a token because they can mint a token and like get billions of dollars because of the meme, right? It's like, why does an NFT project, they already have a token, it's their NFT. It's called a non-fungible token. It's a token, right? It's one, uh, you know, one purchaser, sort of one, one NFT holder. It's, you know, why do we need a non-fungible piece of this? Like, I understand it just suddenly generates billions of dollars uh, given the meme, but is this kind of like more, more futility token stuff that we saw in, uh, in 2017, 2018, where all these projects just launched tokens because they could, and because the market wanted to buy tokens. What's your thought here? Why do you think NFT projects actually need a separate, um, fungible ERC 20 accompanying their project? I think most probably don't. I think you can probably make the case that board apes also probably don't. Uh, I would say like no one needs if you already have one set of tokens, you probably don't need another set of tokens. You could make it work some other way. Um, but I, I do think there's like this interesting potential decoupling of like community and governance, um, kind of thinking about like, there's a, a subset of people who really want to be in the Board Ape Yacht Club community and go to the parties and have it as a profile picture and talk about all the hype and Snoop Dogg and all that stuff. And then maybe there's people who like are legitimately interested in the governance of like how do we build out this metaverse world and how do we decide on who we grant ip rights to for different things or whatever else they're building uh, and those two groups of people aren't necessarily going to be the same and so maybe long term what we'll realize is it made it makes sense to separate those two communities where they both can be stakeholders and have different sets of tokens that kind of offer different things where one is governance and one is like the social clout. This is really cool. Um, like for example, I don't see a lot of people flexing the number of ape coins that they have. You see some people doing it, but you don't see most people doing that, but a lot of people have board apes as their profile picture. And so it's just maybe just different use cases for different things that are happening long-term. And a lot of that is like speculating on a much larger world that requires governing and all of this stuff. Um, and so who knows what'll come of that, but that's kind of my, if I had to defend them. I think, uh, 
I think another way to uh, illustrate that is that the apes, if we're taking a metaverse approach, and I think when, when we take a look into the Yuga Labs, uh, Labs deck, you can definitely see intentions to building out a metaverse. And so if, when we take that perspective, the apes, the non-fungible tokens, the NFTs, are like the nouns in this universe. And then we have the ape tokens, which is like the, either the currency or like the upside exposure to the universe, which includes governance, decision making, kind of just how like, you know, capital is power. And then we have NFTs, which are the items, the, the nouns that you are, are that uh, run around in this universe. Uh, and so uh, I think with the intention that I think we can have uh, have pretty strong assurances that Yuga Labs wants to build out this digital world. Uh, perhaps Andy, that dichotomy of just like you know people that want to have money and capital and power and governance over this ecosystem is different than the people that want to run around with their board ape avatars in this universe. Would you say that? I can a, just a, add, like yeah, go for it. Yeah, one last thing. It's um, yes, there's already tokens, but in the ecosystem, there's like thirty. 39,000 like bored apes, mutants, and dogs. And the cheapest one, a dog, is like seven, eight ETH right now. If someone new wants to join and be part of the Bored Ape Yacht Club ecosystem, there was there's not really an easy way for the average retail investor to jump in. I mean, yes, there's fractionalization, it's messy. It's just, it's just like it's hard to get exposure to this ecosystem prior to an ERC20. And now it's like anyone can jump on Coinbase and for $11.50 have one eight coin token, um, et cetera. It helps yeah. grow, I think, the ecosystem a bit. Yeah. yeah, it lowers the barrier to to participation down to basically the absolute minimum because you know that's what fungibility does. Guys, I want to uh, I want to take a peek into this deck because it's really, really. If if you believe in the future of the metaverse, you can see that, uh, in my opinion, the Yuga Labs is on a race to produce the first version of the metaverse. We all, when we talk about the metaverse, we all kind of talk and wave our hands like, oh yeah, the metaverse that's coming. But I think if you look at this deck. Yuga Labs has uh, the intention of winning the race to actually building out a, a metaverse. Uh, and so, so some of the lines that, that they come, um, that, that they have, uh, oh, I actually deleted the lines from my notes. But it basically tells a story of just like a team with ambitious plans to be the first version to the metaverse. Uh, and so they're, they're just talking about all the different uh, physical lands, uh, you know, excuse me, digital lands, which, you know, perceive are physical in the metaverse, uh, along with the ownership of IP, how board apes are being owned by celebrities. Uh, there's land auctions up for sale. We now, we now have the board ape currency. Uh, we have board ape culture going outside of the internet and into the real world. We have physical events like Ape Fest and like the yacht party. Uh, but then also just like the potential for, for metaverse uh, events and metaverse experiences. Uh, and they claim that we are actually already living in the metaverse. And so what's missing is some sort of instantiated digital land uh, with goals and, and stories and purposes. So guys, when you see these intentions out of Yuga Labs and kind of get the gist of this deck, uh, what do you see as the future for Yuga Labs? What are they building towards? What are their ambitious plans? Um, Zeneca, I'll throw it back to you. I mean, it said it right there, a meta RPG. So it sounds like they're building this yeah, interoperable gaming metaverse, which uh, they released this video clip trailer, I think a day or two after this got leaked, which yeah, to your conspiracy theory, does seem <laughs> kind of planned, but it, it sort of like shows off how there's, um, there's board apes, there's world of women, there's cool cats, there's uh, cryptos, punks, me bits, and all of them are like in this uh, car or whatever together. Um, and it just, it, it shows like the potential of all these different brands and ips coming together in 
quote unquote, a metaverse, the metaverse. And they're adding a layer of, you know, gaming and ownership into that with, uh, you know, there, there's a land sale that they talk about in this. And then there, there's all sorts of like economies that they're basically building a new economy using ApeCoin as the currency, I suppose. Um, and yeah, it, it's just, it seems awesome, honestly, as someone who grew up in 90s and early 2000s playing, you know, MMORPGs and games and stuff like that. This, it just sounds extremely exciting to me. It's like uh, something I've said before. It's like, you know, the internet up until nfts really and games it's sort of like we've been playing on play mode and now it's like this is like real it's like poker you play with play money but then you play with real money and it's like it's a different game and i feel like we're playing a different game now andy when you see some of the uh, vibes that are communicated in this deck what are, what are you seeing out of the future of yuga labs i really like the deck i i think that they're the general way they were thinking about this open permissionless world and all of that uh is how I would, if I had to kind of give my wishes for how the final metaverse that people end up using would be, uh, would look. I think in general, it's incredibly ambitious and I have a lot of friends from gaming and building games like this is hard and takes a really long time. Um, so that's the part of me that wants to be skeptical and just be like, this is gonna, you know, whatever, everyone reading this who's like, wow, this is crazy. Can't wait for it in 2023. I wouldn't get your hopes up. <laughs> like <laughs> it probably will take a bit. Um, but in general, I, I think kind of the thing that I've always gone back to with them is they've executed better than anyone else in the NFT space, in my opinion. And so I'm not really, uh, you know, I'm not happy to, I'm not going to bet against them in this as well, but it's definitely extremely ambitious. Uh, and I think, but I think they laid out everything really nicely and I'm, I'm super excited for it. You know what this uh, reminds me of, uh, and this is totally unfair to invoke this, but I'm going to do it anyways. But uh, the Pixelmon universe was kind of the same pitch <laughs> where you had the NFTs living in this digital land. Kevin. Uh, and, and well, that one turned out to be a complete, you know, not a complete scam, but basically the bare minimum amount of deliverables to kind of check the boxes and left everyone very dissatisfied. So maybe it's fair to say that this is the more honest goal of the more honest intention of building out what the Pixelmon universe promised. But now that we, now it's coming out of Yuga Labs, I think we have a lot more assurances that they are actually doing this with just strong resources, strong intentions and honorable intentions. Scott, what, what's your, do you have any takes about that? I think I just really double down on what Andy was saying. This stuff is really hard to build. Like, it's like, Yugo Labs have done excellent at building this like social brand, but um, feels like they probably need to acquire someone for like low nine figures to actually build this. And those deals are not not easy to like close on. Um, and I think it's really hard to like have a have an organization that's like really 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 good at like one type of business. And just be like, hey, like, you know, we decided we want to beat Facebook at building like hard new technologies. Um, that's it's really big challenge. Um, and yeah. Uh, There's a yeah. difference between like uh, planning and promoting the fire festival and actually like <laughs> uh, running the fire festival. If you guys are familiar with that, that documentary from a few years ago. Um, I want to ask you another question because going through this deck, you're just like also blown away by the uh, the raw financials here. Um, I mean, like, look at this. Pretty nice uh, net revenue margins there. 
on on the on the budget of like 2021 and 2022 for people who are yeah you can't view this on YouTube right 84 percent profit margins like what kind of what kind of digital business not even the Googles of the world are even close to 84 um, percent profit margins here it's you know uh, astounding when you're running a brand. Guys, uh, the uh, the perfect thing just happened when it comes to live streaming about Yuga Labs because uh, Verge, as of recording, just released that Board Ape Yacht Club creators raises raised four hundred and fifty million dollars at a four billion dollar valuation. This is just now dropping from uh, from the Verge, uh, and they uh, they actually answer some of the questions that we were been having here, uh, where. Uh, they are, Yuga Labs is partnering with a few different gaming studios to bring this new world called Other Side to life. Other Side is an MMORPG meant to connect the broader NFT universe. They hope to create an interoperable world that is gamified and completely decentralized, says a uh, co-founder of the Board Apes Yacht Club. Um, yeah, so that, that news is pretty big. Uh, $4 billion valuation raised $450 million to build a corner of the metaverse. So uh, it's super convenient when big news drops, right? As you are live streaming about it. That's pretty cool. Watch out, Facebook. Yeah. So does that mean, does that mean to, in the long run, the IP and the royalties have to end up in ApeDAO? Why would that mean that, Scott? I mean, how can you have a completely decentralized, decentralized yeah. world where one corporation owns all the IP forever? Yeah, the decentralized, it, they did just throw that, it's going to be decentralized word out there very, not, very flippantly. Not just decentralized, completely, completely decentralized. decentralized. <laughs> so I remember uh, Yuga came out a few months ago and said that their vision for the Board Ape Yacht Club, at least, was for that to be fully decentralized. Yuga itself wouldn't be. So I mean, maybe, I don't know how that fits into this. So is the valuation of ApeCoin probably speculatively based on owning the IP of Bored Apes, but also perhaps CryptoPunks too? And MeBits? I'd be a more uh, okay I don't know, but I think if, ApeCoin. But I think if Ape, <laughs> yeah. ApeCoin goes to $100 and then goes back down to $8, they're going to have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well guys thank you so much this has been a uh, big news i think in the nft space really important for the bankless community to to understand what's going on it, it just uh will guide so many things that they decide to do next whether they're investing building or just journeying into the crypto space even further so we appreciate you spending some time with us today thank you yeah thank you yeah thanks all for having me that's fun Bankless Nation, of course, none of this has been financial advice. We don't know whether you should buy ApeCoin or not, have no idea whether an $11 billion valuation is uh, is worth it. But we do know that all crypto is risky. So is ETH, so is DeFi. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. <laughs>